0: To the Doers Podcast, right here on the Doers Network. And now here's your host, Donald Robinson
1: the second.
2: Well, welcome everyone to the Doers Network. I'm your host, Donald Robinson the second, and welcome aboard to our podcast, which is brought to you by Bamboo Detroit. And for today's podcast, we are on the line with a wonderful young lady, Laura Khalil. She is a marketer, branding expert and all that good stuff. So, Laura, how are you doing?
0: Hey, thanks for having me, Don. It's great to be here.
2: Well, thank you for joining us. I am really appreciate it. This is our first podcast for all you out there listening, and I hope you all enjoy it and return for more. And we'll go right into it. So, Laura, what is what is your business, and what is your background of experience?
0: Sure. So, I am a marketing consultant. I work primarily with technology companies, Uh, in the Bay Area. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about how that came to be because that might seem like an unusual choice for a Detroiter. I grew up here and I left in the late 90s and um, traveled and lived in other parts of the world. I lived in Montreal. I lived uh, a little bit in France and then eventually found myself in San Francisco. And I was there for about a decade and that's really where I cut my teeth in tech. I worked with startups. I worked with huge companies. I watched companies flame out and just burn up. I watched companies get acquired, and I had even some companies' IPO. So I kind of saw a little bit of everything while I was there. Um, and in that, I learned a lot of marketing practices, and I got to wear a lot of different marketing hats, specifically around marketing to technical audiences. Okay. Um, So a couple of years ago, I decided to move back to Detroit uh, and begin, and I was consulting at that time and continue to consult while here. And so that's really um, my focus area. Okay. Uh, You could say, Don, that I had a lot of people ask how I got into consulting, which I've been doing for about five years now okay um and you could say that I had something of a PhD in getting laid off I was a master of getting laid off okay um if anyone needed advice on how to lose a job I could help you <laughs> and it was I mean it was ridiculous um to the point where you know whenever I'm in a, whenever there's a situation where there is a theme that keeps repeating in your life, over and over and over. What I always tell people is that there's one common denominator in that scenario mm-hmm. and that's
3: you. Right. You
0: are the problem or you are the one who is attracting these kind of challenges and it is up to you to address that. Yeah. So that was the real um moment for me. To realize, why does this keep happening to me? Why do I keep getting laid off? Why am I continually having this problem? And what I realize is that I have a very confident, bold, opinionated, and forthright manner. Okay. In in the way that I present myself in the world. And certainly in the way that I present myself in business situations. And as an employee and as a woman, that was not always received very well. Um, We usually think of women like that uh, as bitches. Right. And I definitely, definitely embodied some of those very uh, characteristic traits. Okay. So I realized in doing that that I was not well-suited for uh, the corporate environment, uh, at least as an employee. And so um, the last job I was at, I was let go. And I was completely done. I was so depressed. I was dejected. I was upset. And I thought to myself, I said, Laura, you could do this again, Mm -hmm. but you know exactly what will happen if you go back into a full-time job. And I could see it. Clearly, it was like I had a flash of insight and I could see, you know, thirty more years or forty more years of work in front of me and misery yeah from this kind of work. Yeah. And I said, I at that moment I said, No, I'm not gonna do that again. I refuse to be put in that situation again. I refuse. It is not right for me. And that is the day, it was literally the afternoon, uh, After I was laid off that I um, was at home, I started building out my consulting portfolio online. I started building out my website and I started to, I hit the ground running. I hit it and I, six weeks later, I had my first uh, Fortune 100 client. Wow. And about six weeks after that, I got my next one. And then, you know, five years later, we're still rolling. Wow. And what I'll say, and I want to say this to women who feel that they have been marginalized in their job because they are bold, opinionated, outspoken, and forthright, is that my greatest weakness as an employee became my greatest strength as an entrepreneur. Okay. Because what I realized was that being a confident Person is like, um, it's like the best sales tool you have to get business. Okay. Because when you're confident, people automatically believe you.
3: Sure. They
0: trust what you're saying. You build rapport with people, you show that you know how to do the work that they are asking you to do. And I truly believe it is because of those traits that I have succeeded as a consultant. Because when I go into a company now, they are expecting me to have opinions. They are expecting me to give direction. Sure. They are expecting me to be forthright with them. And I think that's why I built some great relationships um, in the technology sector, actually.
2: Great. and I was, So
0: that's a very long-winded answer to your question, no, but that's, I, I had to give
2: it. No, that's great. That's great. Because I'm glad you said that at the end, because that, that was going to is leading into the next question I was going to ask you. And what I was going to ask you was, how did you get involved with the actual tech sector?
0: Well, back, I'll tell you what, 10, well, this must have been over 10 years ago. When I moved to San Francisco, I had no experience in tech. Okay. Zero. And I really needed a job. And I interviewed with a little company at that time that, that was called Atlassian. Okay. Atlassian has since IPO'd. Um they are the makers of some very popular uh technical software that your audience may know, things like Confluence and Jira. Okay. Um, which if you're in a technical field you would probably be using one of those. But at the time they were a they were a startup. Okay. And I remember um I needed a job and I really liked this company and I Gave it my all in the interview. They they were willing to interview me. And I remember very clearly having the president of the company on the phone with me. And he was, I'd gone through the interview process. And he was a wonderful man. His name was Jeffrey Walker. Okay. And Jeffrey said to me, he said, Laura, I don't know. You haven't done this before. I don't know. I don't know if you can do it. (laughs) And I said, Jeffrey, please give me a chance. I promise you, you will not regret it. I just need this one opportunity.
3: Sure.
0: And um, and then he said the funniest thing to me. He said, do you play music? Mm. And I said, what What do you mean? And he's like, do you play an instrument? And I had. I had played the flute Okay. Um, for a number of years. And I uh, went to Blue Lake and Interlochen growing up and did all Ah. kinds of music stuff. And so I said, yes, Jeffrey. Yes. I play the flute. It's like, is that important to the job? Right. And he said, he's like, you know what? I really dig musicians. Yeah. You're in. Yeah. And it was that weird, um, you know, it was kind of like that weird thing, but that was somebody gave me a chance and I really fought for it. I really, I mean, that's the thing. I was pretty determined, So I really fought for it. They gave me the chance, um, and, you know, I was glad for it. When I started, I was doing, uh, you know, PR and marketing stuff for them. Okay. And about a year into my career there, I had them featured uh, in the TED Talks, in Dan Pink's talk called The Puzzle of Motivation. If anyone's interested, it's a great talk. Dan talks about some of the things they did at Atlassian. Um, he's all. we're also in his book uh which is called drive okay so that's a little plug out to dan pink stuff but uh that was how i got started you know it was like you know come on you got to take a chance and i was motivated i was young i was ambitious i was driven and i played the flute and apparently you know that's what i that's what i needed to do it
2: so and and that's pretty interesting laura in terms of your, your your story in terms of how how did you get out to the west coast that's what i meant to ask you too how did you how did you end up going from midwest you know michigan area how did you get out to san francisco
0: so i had been i went to university in montreal at mcgill university
2: okay
1: and
0: i had spent about eight years in mcgill or eight years in montreal i should say and i was absolutely done with winter. Oh, okay. Which is funny because now I'm in Detroit. Right. And uh we're about to get twelve inches of snow, so I, I still have the same questions about what I'm doing here. But right. um I was so done with winter in Montreal. It was so tough on me. And um I said, you know what? I can go wherever I want and I am somebody Who loves a challenge. Sure. I love being able to see the challenge and then go for it. Right. And so what had happened was I had a plane ticket to go out to California uh, to visit a friend of mine. We were going to do a girl's trip. Okay. And I was ready. And I was just done. I was ready to move. And I said, you know what? I said, I'm going to move on that plane ticket. Yeah. And I had about eight weeks to get ready. And so every night after my day job, I'd go home and I would start, I'd go on Craigslist and I'd look at every single job in Montreal, I, or I'm sorry, in San Francisco. Sure. I probably applied to 300 jobs. Yeah. I just, anything to get me out there. At the same time, I was applying Uh, for roommates and things like that in the Bay Area. Okay. And then uh, Atlassian ended up flying me out for an interview. Okay. So I flew out for the interview. That same weekend, I did did some roommate interviews, and I ended up, of course, getting the job and getting the roommate, and I moved a week ahead of schedule. Wow. So I'm telling you, when you have a – what i always say to people when you have a vision of where you want to go you can move mountains yeah to get there if you just believe i'm going to do it yeah I, I i tunnel vision i'm moving forward it's happening it will happen
3: yeah
0: you can do it you absolutely can um and i've done that over and over i did that in my move to the bay area yeah and i did that again when i started my business Okay. I was adamant that sure. I was going to start a business. And I did. Yeah. I did that in about 6 weeks. Um, you know, I was extremely focused. Extremely focused, and I think that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, are wise to do is to become very focused in yeah. their areas and yeah. put the blinders on, forget about the distractions because everyone you know, maybe trying to pull you in different directions, or you should do this, or you want to do that, or
1: yeah,
0: you know, being an entrepreneur is scary. Just go get a full time job. You right. got to ignore, and you have to learn to trust your own inner guidance. Okay, that's the thing. Like there is, there are so many outside forces of people, quite frankly, projecting their fears onto you. Oh yeah, right. Right. And so you have to learn. Okay, hang on. That's your fear. That is not mine. Right. And I am not going to be deterred. Although, you know, it's useful to take feedback. It's useful to listen right. to people, especially people who have done what you want to do. Right. Um, and that's one thing I always tell entrepreneurs: is everyone's got an opinion. Lord knows, Don. I have an opinion. Sure. I always have an opinion.
3: Sure.
0: But I'll tell you what, I listen more closely to people who have gone where I want to go rather than a bunch of sheep who are living in corporate jobs, yeah. miserable with their lives, and too afraid to do anything about it. Yeah. You're going to tell me about being an entrepreneur? I don't think so.
2: Right. I mean, that just so, makes logical and practical sense, too, Laura. You, you, I mean, in anybody, even if you're looking at a corporate job, to me, it seems like if you want to move up in the company, why not talk to the leader that you either have mentored you or you admire or something like that? Talk to somebody who has paved the path that you want to travel to. And I think a lot of people miss the boat because everybody needs a source of guidance, whether it be a mentor, a counselor, a boss, or whoever. Absolutely. And I think it's wonderful what you're doing, especially. And I'm glad you came, well, welcome back home. You know, uh, late, late, late. Welcome back, because in our area, you know, we need a lot of more people like you to help people guide through. Because a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs here in this area are kind of. Well, w- w- the one thing I'll say about this, and you can speak on this too what I've noticed by being out here and networking with people, there's a lot of support amongst each, a peer group type of support amongst each other, and mm-hmm. what, what I like to see is the support, like if I go out here and say, I mean, really, like, even with the podcast, you know, I talked to Amanda Luan, you know, shout out to Amanda, you know, we talked about doing a podcast and she made it happen, and I'm, now we're doing it, but I think that here, it's, it's a, there's a special case for budding entrepreneurship and successful entrepreneurship because of that, and I think like you said before people it's interesting in this area because it's a first foray for a lot of folks and they don't it's like they're they're creating their own paths because they may not have the 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 mentor to that has led the Mm. way but in spite of that it's like everybody's working together to create the path we we all work got our shovels out there we got the gravel you know we're putting the asphalt down as we go along which is great so it's, it's I think that's the momentum changer and the the, the, the game changer that, that is happening. It needs to happen. And I, I just think it's wonderful that you're here to help people, guide people along the way. And I know you've seen a lot of people make a lot of mistakes and a lot of <laughs> successes, too. And we're going to talk about that yeah. in a bit, too. But I think the, the biggest thing I was um, also interested in with your story is so. So the first job you had is that that was your first foray into like marketing and branding and things like that?
0: Well, way before I moved to Montreal or, or before I moved to San Francisco, I was actually in publishing. Okay. Um, and that's how I got started. So I was, um, doing all, I was doing marketing work in publishing. I was doing sales work in publishing. I loved, I always loved Telling stories. Sure. I mean, even as a kid, I love telling stories. Okay. So for me, publishing was a very exciting industry.
1: Sure. Because
0: we were telling stories. You know, even if I was in this business side of it, I still felt like, oh, maybe I'm kind of part of it. Now, as my career has gone on, um, I now consider myself both personally and professionally a storyteller.
3: Okay.
0: I tell stories for some of the world's largest brands through the work that I do. Um, we haven't talked about some of the clients that I work for, but just to say, I have, uh, shared the stories of people like Twitter, GE, Intel, Intuit, um, and many, many more. I work with, um, that size of company on, uh, marketing and communications initiatives and so for me, it's kind of like, in, in a weird way, it's sort of, it's really great to be able to do what I, what's so natural to me, which is to share stories and to actually be paid well for it. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I think it's pretty cool when you can, you can take your strength and make some money doing it. And there's no shame in that.
2: Right. Right. And for those of you out there listening, please take heed to what Laura's saying, because the key to life, I believe, and I'm sure you do believe this as well, Laura, is is walking your path based on what you're given as far as your gifts and talents and being able to help other people. But at the same time, it's a gift to be able to do what you love doing and earn a living at it. And I think you yeah. know the, that's the key of entrepreneurship because I think a lot of people also have a misnomer of what entrepreneurship actually is. A lot of people think, okay, I run a business or – Let's say somebody who's working for somebody else. Oh, entrepreneur is just somebody out there just doing their thing. But I've always looked at entrepreneurship as a way of life. Like you're 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 carving in a creative way how to live your life the way you want to and enjoy yourself but make a living based on your own gifts and talents and be able to share that and provide value to other people. You know, so right. That,
0: and the other part of that, I I want to say two things. There's one there are two things that keep people from making uh, a very well making a great income.
3: Yeah.
0: Or hanging on to money, and those two things are shame and guilt. Okay. People feel that they do not deserve the money. They feel that on an inherent basis, I don't deserve this. Okay. It is bad. Okay. Um, it makes me look bad. And so people will consciously and unconsciously do all kinds of things to repel money out of their life. Yeah. And I'll say this, the more money you make, the more service you can offer to the world. Yeah. Money is an important tool of exchange. And if you have that resource, there is a lot of change You can actually help catalyze and affect, and it is a good thing. So the love and the greed around money, not great. But the power to use that as a tool to transform lives is magnificent. And I encourage anyone who has shame or guilt around money, which, by the way, often comes from how we learned about money from our parents. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We often learn there's never enough money. I don't have money. Money is the. If you grew up in a household where money was a constant source of stress, where money was a constant problem, where money was a heartache, why the hell would you want to hang on to it? Right. Because your mentality is that money is a cause of stress, heartache, problems. It's bad. Right. And nobody wants anything bad in their life. Right. So we have so many unconscious beliefs that are dictating our wealth or poverty. It's unbelievable. And I would encourage people to really look at that and look at their beliefs around money and look at their value, right? You know, look at your value to the world. You are worth something, right? And the more people you can affect with what it is you do, the more money you can make Right. and the more money that you can then use, to uh do
2: wonderful things with oh absolutely. your community absolutely and i think that you know for all of us who have went to you know education institutions you know high school college and whatever there's no life skills training anywhere in formalized no. education so th- we've, we've been indoctrinated to learn skills but we haven't been taught how to bring those skills to livelihood and live it for our lives and enhance our lives you know what i mean yeah and
0: absolutely nobody's We learn our, um, I teach a wealth building course, so this is sort of a tangential thing that I do, um, but we learn all of our money skills from watching our family. Yeah. We learn how to pay bills. We learn how to manage money, balance a paycheck. Right. Spend, overspend, budget, whatever it is. We learn all of that from observing how our parents or authority figures spent money. Right, and it's just like a passive thing unless they actively take you aside and show you. Right, it's just a passive thing that you are witnessing as a child and you are growing up with, and then that's just kind of what people adopt. Yep. Unless they learn, uh, to be more conscious. Right. right. Around their money habits.
2: Right. Right. Exactly. Um, and you in my old ninety years of age years ago when I, I remember I don't know if you remember <laughs> um junior Chief, you know junior achievement had a lot of good like after school programs they taught you I remember Yep. years ago I um when I was I think in middle school they had like a, a, a you know a, a after school class and I think they taught about economics they talked about um how to write balance how to write a check all this other stuff and I and I remember when, when my mother took me to the bank, opened up my first bank account. She told me how to write a check and all this other. And I was like, why is this stuff so natural to me? Cause I went to school um, and, and got a business degree in economics. And I was like, why? Is-? And when I've, when I've declared the major and I just felt like it was just natural to me, it's like, why?
1: How- mm-hmm. It must be
2: something great. But then what, what happening while I was not too long graduated after college, I looked through some of my old stuff and I found some of those workbooks. And I was like, no wonder this stuff came so natural because I was exposed to it at an earlier age. And,
0: exactly and wow
2: so, and it's like just like what we're talking about uh with our conversation here i hope people are really taking heed that are listening to understand that find out what your gifts and talents are you know assess your maybe write down your skills what you're good at your strengths because those same strengths like you like you said earlier laura those same strengths will help you carve a path to your life and they really will
0: absolutely and you know the thing is what people don't realize and and this is something I want to share with your audience because I think this can be the real kind of maybe the nugget that can help people is your life is already demonstrating what you value in the world right so it's not a matter of coming up with a list of fantasy items right that you believe you should do or you ought to do I mean it's not that it's what are you doing in your life? What are you setting goals towards and naturally already achieving? What do you wake up in the morning and do that nobody has to tell you to do? Right. You automatically are like, of course I'm going to do it. Of course I'm going to get up. And that's, it just is automatic. Those are the, the, your values. Right. And if you can become conscious about what those are and really tap into them, Right, doing something that you really are good at and also happen to be a natural at becomes very easy. It's not a struggle right to get through it and, and I, w- I just want people to know that it doesn't if you feel like you are struggling to do this one thing. Because someone told you you should do it, it's probably not the right thing for you. Yeah. Because when you are in, coming from an inspired state, it comes to you naturally. There is no question. It is easy. It is not that you won't have challenges. Right. But you will be inspired to take on those challenges rather than defeated by them.
2: Well, it's like the old, you know, the, well, in my opinion, it's like a cliche now when you hear, motivational speakers talk when you find you know inspirational folks say follow your passion and that that's what you know that's basically what we're talking about here is your passion is what you're good at what you what you really what gives you life energy when you wake up in the morning mm-hmm. what, what inspires right. you you know and i think right. the challenges you're going to have challenges no matter what because you know just in you know being an entrepreneur and i know you know because you coach people being able to balance your bank account being able to find different streams of revenue to bring income to you, to your business or your service.
0: Absolutely.
2: That, that helps Uh, because you're doing what you love doing. That helps, that helps make those challenges easier to deal with. You know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. I mean, it is, first of all, it is a complete load of hogwash. As far as I'm concerned to think you're going to walk through life and not be challenged by anyone or any event or any circumstance. Right. We in life, are support, constantly supported, and constantly challenged. That is the natural balance of the universe. You cannot live life trying to run towards a one-sided existence where finally things are going to be easily. Finally, there's not going to be any problems. Finally, it'll be perfect. That is a fantasy. It doesn't exist. It has never existed, and it will not exist. So why don't you work towards challenges, and opportunities right. that inspire you. Right. Otherwise, you will work on challenges and opportunities that do not inspire you.
2: Right. Right. I mean, it, this is this is wonderful, wonderful information, Laura. Because people, I think there's not enough people out there that really know. You know, because there there people. And I hear people talking a lot of times saying, "Why is this happening to me?" Why it just seems like it rains. It pour. Yeah, it may it may pour rain on a certain part of your life, but that's a temporary pouring. I mean, at some point the clouds lift and the sun comes out. And I think that people don't have to understand there's a balance. So just, there, there's going well, to be lows right. and highs all the time. You
0: know? And here's what, here's how I just to give the audience some insight. Here's how I equilibrate uh, things that happen in my life. Because most people that know me know that I am pretty even keeled. Yeah. I don't get real high. I don't get real low. Um, I'm pretty much right around the, you know, with variations right, right down the middle of the road. And I'll tell you why that is because in every opportunity, there is a challenge Yep. and in every challenge, there's an opportunity. So every single time I have an opportunity every time, let's say something really great happens. Yeah. For example, I get a new contract. And I, for a moment, feel really elated, yeah. right? And I get really excited. Well, that's cool because that's my inspiration kicking in saying, awesome, we're on the right path. Yeah. At that moment, I will ask myself this question. What are the downsides to this opportunity? Right. People don't think to do that. Right. But this is a way of balancing your mind. So you okay. say, I have a great opportunity. Well, what are the downsides? Well, the downsides could be I have to learn a whole new company. Yep. I have to learn how these people work. I have to learn the politics of this organization. I have to really, really, really work hard at the beginning to prove myself. Right. You know, they don't know me for Adam. Right. And so as a way of kind of balancing out these highs and lows, similarly, if I am really Challenged. Um, I'll tell you about an experience that I went through a few months ago. I had a client who we were having a lot of trouble getting my contract
3: renewed. Okay.
0: That was not because of what I had done. It was because of budgetary issues, and it was because we needed to find enough support within the organization
3: yeah.
0: to uh, get enough yeses, so to speak. Right. To put the money behind it. Right. Now that is extremely challenging. Sure. Okay, it is because you you know you're doing a good job, the client believes you're doing a good job, but you're it's just not enough. And so that can be very challenging.
3: Sure.
0: So in that oppor- in that challenge, here's what I say to myself. What are the opportunities of going through this? Yeah. And I say, it gives me the op- here here were the opportunities that I was aware of. It gave me the opportunity to present, to do like a a presentation to C-level executives, the highest level of executives at one of the largest companies in the world. Wow. Being able to prepare myself for that kind of experience is going to help me in so many ways to prepare for, if I, if I can walk into a boardroom full of men and I can present that gives me to master presentation to anyone else that I talk to and that was that was the um the the thought that really drove me in that extremely challenging spot was to say this is a huge opportunity for growth sure whether or not I get this contract this is a huge opportunity to learn and grow and so I encourage the audience to always look at the other side to stop living life from sort of like a half existence of just trying to see one side and trying to ignore the other rather than embracing the full experience of life. Right. Because life is so beautiful, even in its misery. Right. It really is. And in its misery are the greatest moments. For us to persevere, and so um, that's how I tend to look at things, and it's really kept me even keeled yeah. as an entrepreneur.
3: Yeah,
0: uh, it has kept me from you know all this anxiety and concern sure. that people feel because I always know that in any challenge, even if I lose a contract, even if our time is done. I always know there is an opportunity within, and I just have to start looking for it. And that mindset, that mindset shift is a game changer. Sure. Because a lot of people, especially solo entrepreneurs or small entrepreneur shops, you know, they're kind of client to client. And then they think, oh, gosh, I lost a client. I guess I have to go get a full-time job. Right. No, you don't. Right. No, you don't. Right. And... Just like you think anytime I lose a client, I have to go back and get a full-time job, I think anytime I lose a client, there's a bigger one around the corner. Sure. Both of those thoughts are equally true. Right. Okay, so your thought about going to get a full-time job and my thought about getting a bigger client, they're equally true. You can think whatever you want. I just think I'm quite resourceful in my way of thinking about things, and it serves me very well.
2: Now let's go back. I'm in, I'm interested in the story you just told about these. What happened as a result of talking, making a presentation to the to the executives? What happened?
0: Mm-hmm. You're gonna love this, Don. The contract did not get renewed. Okay. So then, guess what happens? The contract does not get renewed. They go with um, basically budget cuts. They go with another group who's gonna do it for a quarter of the cost. Right. I can't compete on that kind of pricing. So. Right. And and by the way, uh, I, we need to talk about pricing, but uh, I don't compete on that kind of pricing. It's not going to happen. Right. So I did the best I could. I did not get the contract. Okay. Do you want to know what happened the next week? Yeah. I get a call from a guy that I worked with a few years prior on a contract, and he calls me and he says, Laura, we desperately need you, and I I want you to present to our executives. Wow. And I said, game on. Yeah. Because I have done it. I am ready to do it. And I feel powerful. I feel inspired. And thank God for preparing me for this moment. Sure. I went and presented to his executives. I um, more than doubled what I was making with this new client. Wow. Yeah.
2: That is wonderful. Wonderful.
0: So. Yeah, I lost the old client, but that prepared me for what was bigger and better coming up, and sure. I got it.
2: Sure, that 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 is amazing. That that is that's probably one of the one of the most amazing life story testimonies I've heard. And and people listening, I really hope you're listening closely to this because what we're talking about is the possibility, and and this is meant for you to hear at this moment in time to let you know that. It is possible. it is possible for for you to do what you always dreamed of. It is very much possible and Laura is a living embodiment testimony that of what is possible and I, I thank oh, you Lori well, for sharing thank you so much for sharing that story <laughs> that now i'm look i'm I'm almost doing cartwheels here in the studio I mean that's that, that is amazing I mean I love it I love it um uh, let's, let's let's but my, go ahead, my go ahead.
0: story isn't unique. I just want to say anyone can do that. It's about your mindset. It sure. really is about your mindset. Sure. And it's about realizing, and I just want to say this, and then I'll, I'll let you get to the next question. Um, people are going to act the way they're going to act towards you. Yeah. Okay? We cannot necessarily control that. But what I can control is my behavior, my attitude, and my reaction. Yeah. That is what I can control. Sure. And so... Always remember your attitude, what you tell yourself, how you talk to yourself is everything. It is everything because it comes out when you talk to other people. And if you keep telling yourself, I'm telling you, if you keep telling yourself, I suck, I'm lousy, I'm a mess, I'll never do it, I can't get out of this hole, what do you think you're projecting out into the world? You're a failure. Yeah, I'm a failure. Who the hell wants to work with a failure?
2: Nobody. Hopefully nobody.
0: <laughs> exactly. And they'll never make what they, what they deserve to make because they don't believe they deserve it right. because they're already a failure. So it's like a self-fulfilling
2: prophecy. Let me ask you this, Laura. So would you say that in, in, in terms of, let's say somebody who does think like that, in order to change their mindset, mm-hmm. would you say that, that the, the shift in their mindset needs to be a daily activity? Like every day? Yes. Okay.
0: Yes. They need to start changing the things that they say to themselves. Yeah. They need to start looking for things in their life that reinforce the belief that they are a magnificent, intelligent, uh, powerful human being, however they want to interpret that. Sure. That is worthy of wonderful things happening in their life. Sure. And it is not like an overnight thing. This isn't, you know, that you just one day start and the next day, you know, you're perfect. And no one's perfect. Right. This takes time because we have, I mean, this goes into how our brains function, right? We're actually talking about the connections we make, the neural pathways we make in the brain. The reason I can think the way I do so easily Is because I've trained myself over years to think this way, so it's automatic. Sure. Other people have neural pathways they have trained to say, the world sucks, I suck, I'll never get ahead, and everyone's against me. Right. And so if you have ingrained that belief in your head, you have to learn to change the neural pathways by changing how you think. By changing how you see the world, one step at a time, one day at a time, right. one thought at a time.
2: Right. right. But it
0: takes time. Yeah. It does. It takes time. Yeah. But it can happen. Great. It can happen.
2: Yeah, because see, uh, I, it, it's daily practice, like like getting healthy or staying physically fit. Like everything exactly. else, you gotta you gotta you, you gotta put in the work and put in the practice. Stay tuned to our next episode. As we continue our interview with Laura Khalil, you can reach Laura through her website at laurak.co. That's L A U R A K dot co. This podcast is produced and brought to you by Bamboo Detroit, located in the heart of downtown Detroit. Bamboo Detroit specializes in co working space and amenities for entrepreneurs and forward thinkers. Bamboo Detroit where we do more together because Detroit is for doers. We appreciate your support by subscribing to our podcast right here on the Doers Network. Thanks for listening.
1: You've been listening to the Doers Podcast,
0: where actives grow and thrive. The Doers Podcast is produced
2: by Bamboo Detroit Network. For more information, visit us at bamboodetroit.com.